Hi, and welcome to the latest Trending Tech podcast brought to you by the team at iot-now.com, vanillaplus.com, and The Evolving Enterprise, which you'll find at theee.ai. My name's Jeremy Cowan. I'm editorial director and co-founder of these tech sites. And it's great to have you with us. Today's pod is just a little bit different because it begins the handover of a number of tasks from me to my good friend, Jim Morrish, of the Digital Transformation Analysts, Transformer Insights. And by an amazing coincidence or superior planning, you work it out, Jim is our guest today. Jim, welcome. Thanks, Jeremy. It's good to be here. Great. Good to have you. There's two things I want to discuss with you today of widely varying importance to the comms market, Jim. Um, first things first, I wanted to get a heads up on what you think we can expect to see this year at Mobile World Congress, the annual Barcelona bun fight, which uh, runs from, I think, February 27th to March the 2nd. What, what are you expecting to see there, Jim? Um, well, there's going to be a lot of change, and it is an annual uh, bun fight, as you say, but but it's been missing for a couple of years. It was cancelled for a couple of years, and it was a bit low-key last year. Um, and, and I think this is a reflection of a wider um, factor to be considered in the industry. Um, we've had a few years where things have been quite quiet. People have been locked down, people haven't been travelling, and, and, and there's been quite a lot of technological developments, the, uh, the software's development has developed, the tools have developed, but the, the the business propositions leveraging these new tools haven't developed quite so quickly. So there's a bit of a COVID backlog to catch up on. So I'm expecting you know, a lot of change. Underlying that, I think there's one key theme in there, there's going to be a lot of migration to software. Um, it's, there's going to be a lot of stories about services rather than assets. Um, there's going to be a lot of talk about 5G, uh, which is really beginning to gain traction now, both in the um, both in public networks and private networks. Um, and specifically in IoT, I think there's going to be more of a focus on monetization and tangible opportunities. Um, of course, the the, the economic uh, situation factors into this, but I think that the, the IoT industry as a whole is reaching a level of evolution where people people want to see the money, they want to see the results. Um, so it's about consolidation and delivering on on real business uh, rather than blue sky thinking about potential. And as I say, the, the economic situation factors into that. So it's it's there's going to be a lot of innovation um, and and some very real and tangible um, messages I think coming out. Do you think there's any impact from the war in Europe? Um, I do. Uh, I mean, certainly, certainly that conflict has accelerated a number of aspects of IoT and technology deployment overall. And, and that's something which also happened during uh, coronavirus. Um, so there is you know, more of a focus on um, on moving things away from, from people doing those tasks and automating tasks because they are less dependent on people being present in a location. Specifically, as a result of the conflicts in Europe, there's a lot more focus now on the use of hydrocarbon fuels, on transition to renewables, um, and also on, on just running operations more efficiently. So you know, control of smart buildings, managing power consumption, etc. So there's been quite a, quite, a lot, quite a lot of acceleration there of certain aspects of the 
market. Some aspects of, of, of the market will have taken a hit just because, you know, there's a there's a downturn in the economic situation. Um, people potentially not prepared to invest so much. But 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 many of those IoT solutions which are delivered to enable efficiency and cost reduction, uh, and and those two things tend to go hand in hand with um, with reducing resource consumption. They've taken a bit of a bump. There there's a bit of acceleration there. Mm. In previous years, there seems to have been a bit of a fixation amongst speakers and exhibitors on 5G, in particular, the use cases or the need for proven use cases. Consumers don't see it like that, obviously. What's your expectation about this year? And dare I ask, are we about to be bombarded with a lot of information uh, of dubious um, veracity about 6G? Um, well, yes, uh, probably yes to both. So there's going to be a, a lot of 5G around. There's going to be a lot of 5G messages around. Uh, the reality is there's not a lot of 5G out there at the moment. If I if I look at the forecast that we have and the number of you know, 5G non-MMTC connections, so that's the higher speed connections, not the LPWA connections, at the end of 2022, that was about 1% of the installed base of, of, of all cellular connections. So it's still quite a small concept. There's about another 500 million or 29% of IoT connections or, or cellular IoT connections are the MMTC, LPWA um, type 5G connection. So, so it's an early story. But there are definite use cases. Um, so, for instance, the GSMA has an initiative. They have a 5G transformation hub, uh, which illustrates a number of particularly interesting uh, case studies that use 5G technologies. Um, and as for 6G, well, one day, I guess. Um, as, as yet, um, there's no standard for what qualifies as 6G, uh, although that's not necessarily held back the industry in the past, where, where of course, L LTE was branded as something like 3.95G and then rounded to 4G. Um, so we have found ways around that before. But right now, I think the industry is attempting to digest 5G. It's still early days in that story. And there's a lot of things that you can do with it. Um, it's particularly suitable for private networks. And it also enables the controls to move out of the network and into the software managing the network. And that allows for a lot more flexibility uh, and this kind of trend towards um, software-centric um, service providers um, in the IoT space, rather than necessarily uh, uh, what we've had up until now is, is, is many providers essentially tied to hardware um, and building on that base. So th there's a long way to go with 5G, I think, before we get to 6G. Uh, about a decade ago, everyone claimed to have an M2M or machine-to-machine -machine story, and then that transitioned to claiming to have an IoT story, even when they really didn't. Um, is it the same now with artificial intelligence in the metaverse? Uh, I'm sorry if I sound like a cynical hack, but I am a, an elderly cynical hack. I know it seems reasonable. And and by the way, uh, somewhere in their blockchain came and went. Uh, so... Uh, uh, so, so yes, we should definitely expect to hear a lot about AI and the metaverse, but but this is always going to be the way. Um, the industry press uh, and conversation and buzz uh, tends to pick up on the new technologies. So sprinkling a little pixie dust never hurts for these vendors. Uh, what 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 is often left behind though, uh, as a legacy, is, is often very tangible. Um, IoT now is is a real and very significant thing. That it, it's a highly impactful thing, which is coming of age. Similarly, AI will find itself embedded in all sorts of devices and enterprises processes over the next decade. Um, e even metaverse, if you can put to, to one side for a moment the image of legless avatars, 
um, it, you know, it can be you know, a very significant technology. There's a lot of potential for VR and particularly AR in enterprise context. So, for example, take VR. Um, there's a company called Northox in Germany. They've created an ultra-detailed digital twin of Cologne Cathedral using 5G-connected drones. You know, that's a great asset for the stonemasons renovating the building. It avoids the need for scaffolding um, and allows them views from places which would have been previously inaccessible. Um, or AR, where, you know, for example, you've got um, PTC's Vuforia Chalk allows you know, remote experts to, to provide AR guidance to field engineers. So there are some really tangible things that sit under that metaverse buzz thing. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about in this particular regard uh, for MWC, do you think that as an industry, we're shifting our focus quickly enough from the technological innovation that has really uh, been a, been front and centre of everything we've done and has always been exciting to watch uh, through to the human impacts and changes in society like ESG? Um, so this is a tough one. Uh, and and definitely, it, it, it's something that I spend you know some you know some significant time thinking about. You know, we, we are certainly we're definitely shifting focus, but there's a real question over whether that's happening fast enough, um, and and how it can happen successfully. Um, so it's encouraging, for example, to see the work taking place to develop the EU's AI Act. Um, but there's a real question as to whether that will prove to be a handicap when competing with the USA and Asian countries or whether it will prove to be uh, to be a benefit. Um, it's hard to call at this point, um, but, but certainly to some extent restricts the potential of what can be done with new technologies. Um, and, and, and I think there's a wider challenge here, and, and it's one of ambition, because I think when many folks set out to regulate or to govern these industries, um, it, it's, for example, seeking to regulate AI to meet some ideal standard. Um, but you know, it can be proven, for example, that it's impossible for machine algorithms to be fair in all contexts because different people have different definitions of fair. And there's a great example of this uh, in, in, in a concept of correctional offender profiling in the USA. And this is basically assessing uh, convicts, prisoners uh, on the basis of their probability to reoffend. Uh, whilst they're you know, out on license before the, before they're being sentenced, a specific challenge there was to assess the risk of reoffending and rate prisoners of different racial groups fairly, whilst also ensuring that the risk assessments assigned to individual prisoners are accurate. And and you know the, the, some research has focused on this, and they came to the conclusion, um, and and they claim to have proven mathematically that it is impossible to satisfy both of these goals at the same time. And, and in many ways, for us to ensure that technological innovation reflects the kind of society that we want, we first need to decide what we want society to look like and then have technology reflect that. And, and we've not done that first piece yet, um, which, which makes it something of a problem to, to, to really define ideally what we want the you know, technology to achieve because we haven't designed quite what we want society to be yet. Um, and, and I'll take a, a, a much more simple example that doesn't really get, get you know, troubling the dynamics of society, but take a simple example, um, which I think illustrates the point of, about the problems of migrating you know, traditional approaches to, to things into a technological environment. If you consider a legal document of 
you know, 20 pages or something, a 20 page contract. And there's a last page on that, which is a signature page. Um, you could sign that signature page. And, and it, you know, and quite often these documents are loose leaf. There's nothing to associate that signed page with the first 20 pages. Now that is an incredibly insecure way of, of you know, certifying a legal document. It would never be allowed in a technological system. So uh, in, in many ways you have this problem of fixing some of the problems and some of the challenge which just which are just accepted as part of day-to-day life when you decide to render something as a system and that is one of the significant challenges which underlies this consideration that we need to um the the, the way that we regulate technology to ensure it's consistent with what we want to achieve with society well i think that's fascinating uh Jim, I know when I'm in Barcelona how to find uh, the coffees and I know uh, where at the end of the day to find the beers, but I'm not sure where I'll find you. So where might our listeners find you uh, if they want to pick up on any of these points or have a wider chat? Um, well, probably the best way is to is, is to send through an email and, and, and arrange something. Uh, but I tend to spend my time at uh, Mobile Congress trooping around from from one booth to another between various vendors and and various interesting companies that that are exhibiting there. Uh, Being a small company, we don't have our own uh, booth, uh, and that results in a a lot of of mileage in trekking between (laughs) the installation of all the installations of all the people we want to meet. Um, So a kind of a virtual presence across the organization, but uh, available on email and happy to meet with uh, anyone who might be there. Great. And uh, your website, if people want to email you? Uh, transformerinsights.com um, actually probably best to reach out to inquiries at transformerinsights.com which will come to me and and also Matt my co-founder uh, well look best of luck with the uh, footslog round Barcelona uh, it's always exciting it's always fascinating and I love those sort of uh, occasional moments when you meet people you totally weren't expecting yes. to learn things from and you do and I may well see you there As I said earlier, there's a much less important thing to discuss um, today in the podcast, and that is that after 27 years covering the communications sector, um, I'm retiring this year, which has implications for you, Jim. So um, following a decade or more reporting on, well, it's been quite a a journey, shipping and transport, healthcare and parenting, then defence and manufacturing, I I found myself managing uh, an immensely talented team of telecoms journalists producing 13 magazines, uh, including the likes of Mobile Europe and Communications News. And I inherited an amazing team that included writers and influencers. And I say that in the kindest, best sense. People like Keith Dyer, Justin Springham, and Peter Sayer, uh, all of whom have gone on to bigger and better things in the communications industry. Um, For decades, the communications sector has had the power, but I suppose you could probably say the responsibility uh, to change the world because it can. Um, It is unlike any industry I've worked in before. So when the opportunity arose to launch a telecom software magazine of my own in 1999 called Vanilla Plus, I grabbed it. And 24 years later, thanks to the energy and uh, outright creativity of my past and present co-directors like Natalie Miller, Sharice Jameson and Charlie Bisnar, it's still growing. Um, Over the years, we've added other successful communications brands like IoT Now, IoT 
Global Network, and most recently, The Evolving Enterprise, which covers um, all things around artificial intelligence and a lot more besides. So now seems a really good time for me to step back and let a, a new generation show what they can do. So I'm going to be retiring later this year, and I am absolutely delighted to say that Jim Morris here, along with the support from his TI co-founder, the excellent Matt Hatton, will be taking over as webinar moderators and podcast hosts uh, on this site. So follow them here, and uh, I can't wait to hear what they have to say. Jim, uh, while I've got you, what changes to these IoT and communications pods and webinars can we expect to see under your guidance? Well, thank you, Jeremy. Uh, firstly, again, it, it's uh, it's an honour and a privilege to be invited to take this over. You've, you've established you know, many brands and, and clearly there's a significant following to these podcasts and webinars and so on. So it is it is a privilege to be taking the baton. Um, so, so thank you for your kind invitation. Um, in terms of what happens next, I'm anticipating that things will continue in much the same way they have up until now. I, my, my philosophy, I think, is not to change something um, that seems to be working well. So I think it's going to be uh, more of the same. Uh, discussions with you know, various industry luminaries uh, trying to focus on particularly um, you know, impactful technologies or new announcements or, or new propositions um, and, and, and trying to identify those real world impacts of technology and tangible benefits and the real challenges and, and filter out some of that noise, uh, some of the, the, the pixie dust I referred to earlier and actually cut through some of that to, to what actually matters. Because there is a lot of noise in this industry and filtering it out is what editors uh, are there to do. Um, social media doesn't do that. Uh, it just allows everyone to shout louder. Uh, so, you know, we'll be relying on your good sense and your experience. Absolutely, definitely. I, and, and I think there is a key role to play that filtering and, and, and just highlighting the bits of a message that actually do matter. What is noise and what has been spun in a way which is ultimately divorced from, from the, the underlying capability or uh, the, the underlying proposition and, and, and just, cut, as you say, cutting through that noise. Um, but also some of these softer things that we would discuss in terms of the impact of humanity and society, the way we live our lives. Um, I think taking a little time to focus on that and how technology fits into that, how technology enables that and the implications both ways from, from technology to how society should be run and how, how technology should be viewed in the context of society. Um, I think taking a little time to do that would be beneficial as well. Um, the, these are the kind of things that tend to figure uh, less frequently um, in vendor press announcements and and uh, industry initiatives. So I think it's worth you know, specifically you know, ring fencing a little time to talk about those kind of things. Yeah. Just broadly, what do you think is the role of podcasts and webinars today? Well, I think it's many of the things we were just discussing there, Jeremy, in terms of um, you know, trying to distill down um, you know, what, what, what can seem like a lot of noise. Um, you know, there are lots of announcements, lots of vendors, lots of publicity talking and shouting about many different things that are happening, but actually drawing some of those together and saying, well, hang on, there's a few things happening in these different places and they're kind of consistent. And what that means for the overall direction of the market is and then whatever it is, and, and just drawing out those key messages from the noise. And particularly in the context of of webinars and podcasts. I mean, podcasts have the ability to fit into a into a listener's life um, in the way that many other uh, media formats don't. And webinars, there are many of them around, but but actually, they're a pretty good vehicle for communicating new technologies or 
uh, new capabilities, new propositions. And, and I've quite often attended some you know, really quite interesting webinars. Um, you can learn a lot about you know, new and innovative companies that way. I love the the way that they pack in an awful lot of information in a short amount yes. of time. You can access them whenever you want to. So, yes. you know, if you're busy at the time of recording and broadcast, it so doesn't matter. You just get it later uh, to enjoy on the train or in the bath or wherever you choose. And uh, the great thing is, I think that the audience, we rely so much on the audience as well as the, the other speakers to keep it all honest. So, you know, Yes, sometimes because these things are sponsored, there is always the concern that you're only getting one view, but the audience are brilliant at drilling down through that and making sure that all aspects of a question or of a topic get uh, analysed. And, you know, we're immensely grateful to ours. Absolutely. I completely agree. But just on a slightly different topic, and and as the uh, the baton hands to me, and I, it, it starts to be me asking the questions. Um, my first question, Jeremy, I think would be, what are you planning to do with your retirement? Uh, that's kind of you to ask, Jim. Um, I, I want to do a bit more writing. It sounds like a busman's holiday because what I've been doing for the last 40 years is writing. But I enjoyed enormously putting together a, a novel and publishing that a few years ago uh, called The Tin Soldiers, which was about um, uh, conflict minerals and modern slavery. And I enjoyed it so much, not just the writing, but the research that I plan to do that again and uh, already have a couple of uh, works on the go, uh, plus a historical novel that I want to do for a totally divergent view. So um, I think it'll be a bit of fun and it'll keep me busy. It'll certainly uh, keep me out of my wife's hair. Okay. Any, any any indication on what those topics are? I mean, the the, the conflict mineral could be uh, a topic worth expanding on as we uh, adopt more and more EVs and we're hunting for those uh, the, 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 those raw materials. Yeah. The first book that I have in mind is a historical novel, which is uh, about the last days of Caravaggio and his death, okay. uh, because there's an aspect of it that I don't think has been well uh, explored. But perhaps more related to the conflict minerals, the second book that I want to do is uh, looking at other um, materials that are exported and mishandled. Uh, and I can't go into too much detail at the moment, but um, it will be very topical because it's in the news right now and I intend to get on with it as fast as I can. So, um, yeah, watch out for something by um, JJ Cowan. Absolutely. Uh, we'll invite you back to talk about that. I agree that that's a very, uh, very topical subject. Thank you. Um, so I think um, on that note, and thank you for your kind interest, um, you can count on me as a listener for where we're going next with this podcast. And I know you and Matt will just bring an enviable depth of analysis and experience to this, uh, as well as some, uh, I'm sure, very interesting contacts. I really can't think of a safer uh, couple of pairs of hands. Anyway, that's it for us today. I'll still be grabbing the mic occasionally before I go, if people will let me. And I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible at Mobile World Congress later this month and other events for a few months more. So until then, it's bye from Jim. Bye. And it's bye from me. Bye for now. Bye.